Jesus. Lord, thank you. Um, thank you for today, God. What a blessing that we could be in the house of prayer, Lord, and that we have a place to pray. God, we just daily thank you, Lord, for this space, the space that has been consecrated for prayer and worship, Lord. It's been consecrated for you, Lord. God, I pray that everything that happens in this room would be so that we would pray more, that we would connect with you, that we would love you greater, that this is what this room would be about, Lord. As people walk in, God, their hearts would be awakened and just desire you even more. The longing would increase, Lord. Yes, God. As people come in, Lord, there would be something deep in their hearts that would awaken, that we, they would just desire to spend time with you. Lord, we pray that we would be a catalyst for the region for more prayer, Jesus, God. Yes. I don't know how that can happen, Lord, but you know. Yeah. I don't know how we can impact the region, but you know, Lord. Yes, you do. So we pray that you would impact the region, God, mm-hmm. through our feeble prayers, God, through our little band of intercessors, Lord. We pray that you would impact the region, Lord, however you want to do it, Lord whether it's just all secret and hidden or whether it's more out there. I don't know, but you know, Lord. So we ask you to have your way, God, in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, it's on my heart this morning was um, Luke 22, verse 24. Um, right before Jesus was crucified, he was with his disciples. And it says, now there was a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, He who is the greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not the one who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus. So this scripture was on my heart, and I... As we were taking communion today, um, I was reminded, um, then yesterday I was in a pastor's meeting with, uh, Dan was there and there was maybe a dozen or more pastors around a table from our region. We have monthly meetings and Pastor Brent leads them. And um, there was, um, there was talk at the previous pastor's meeting um, about, hey, um, what are we going to do about this issue and that issue in the region, right? Things had come up, and uh, Roger Valsey had brought up a, you know, an issue that's pressing in our, in our region, and wondering, how are we going to deal with this, you know, as pastors? So it got tabled, and then yesterday we met, and... Um, Pastor Brent, he just, he has a way of really governing, and he, he said, he basically laid a foundation of, of unity 
and let's take communion together. And so before there was anything about, what about this issue and that issue and how are we gonna deal with this as pastors? He said, you know, bigger than the issues, like these issues could tear us apart into all these different factions and there's something bigger going on. There is love between us and we can decide right now that there will be no issue that divides our our unity in Christ because each one of us has Christ on the inside. And so he just he just laid a foundation for love, love of one another and love of Christ and love of one another. And we took communion together and that's pretty much all that happened at the meeting. But as we were taking communion this morning, I thought of the same thing and I thought of the disciples and how all these things are, are um, so parallel really to our day. When we look back at what was happening before Jesus went to the cross, um, the disciples, they were with the Messiah. Like they knew this is the guy. <laughs> like he's the one. And we're like his 12 guys. We're going to be something. We're going to be something great, you know? Like they couldn't help but get into some lofty thoughts about themselves, you know? I mean, think of that. They were hanging out with Messiah and they knew it. And so um, they didn't really have full picture of what was going to hit them in a couple days, you know, when Jesus goes to the cross and what would happen. They just didn't have the full picture of that. They couldn't even understand it. Like even when Jesus told them, I'm going to die and I'm going to be resurrected and all of you are going to fall away from me. And he would tell them plainly and they would be like, la, 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 like not getting it. And um, he knew they they really weren't going to get it until later. But I find it to be very interesting that the week of the cross, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that's us. That's the church, you know. Who's going to be the greatest, you know. Like we're going into, um, we're headed like like a meteor to the earth. I mean, we're headed for um, the tribulation. Like, that's coming, like, right around the corner. We're headed for that. We don't even really understand the hour that we're in. We're headed for that super fast. It's, like, right around the corner. But we're still all about who's going to be the greatest and what can I do to build my ministry and on and on. And we don't really get what's happening. Um, And then, as we know... You know, even though they were in that place, we don't see the Lord um, shaken by that. He's not, he's not, we don't see in scripture that he's discouraged or like, oh no, my guys don't get it. Like he's not, he understands they'll get it. (laughs) And the same with the church today, you know, and I feel like, um, They didn't, they really did not have the unity that they would have later. They didn't have it then. 
Like even as they were disputing about who's going to be the greatest, there was factions there. There was deep divisions in the disciples. There were, they were deeply divided. Some were way political this way. Some were way political that way. Some were, um, you know, they just, some were fishermen and some were Pharisees. I mean, they just, tax collectors. There were such a different, varied group of people. I can't even imagine how divided they were and even how deep their hatred for one another at times was because they were not on the same page with each other. So um, with that, I mean, that is such a picture, too, of the church. And um, so what happened? The cross happened. The cross happened, and they fell away. You know, most of them fell away, almost all of them. And they went through great shaking. They went through great uh, sifting. And their, um, all of their pride and personal awesomeness that they were getting caught up in was really, it came down with the cross. And they became fearful. They became, we don't know what's going on. Uh, I'm sure many different emotions and things. And even after they saw the Lord resurrected, it still wasn't all clear to them. They were still really shaken. And yet, they came through it. And when they came through it, they came out on the other side as a, as a unified group. And what, what gave them this unity? It was the cross. Like, they all went through the cross together. They experienced the cross firsthand. Like, Jesus, their friend, their Messiah, died on the cross they all mourned that. They all went through something together that was so traumatic, dramatic, um, you name it. They all went through that. All of their pride and self-awesomeness came down. And they came through on the other side as, okay, we are living for another age. <laughs> and what we are to do now is to follow Jesus to the death. That's what we're supposed to be doing right now. And they began to see completely differently than how they were seeing before the week of the cross. They began to see that this is my brother over here and he's going to die on a cross and so am I. We have everything in common. <laughs> and so it really, really shifted things. And it was the cross that unified them to the death. Like all of them went to the death for the Lord. It gave them that martyr spirit. So the message is for us as well. I believe that the days are coming. We are going to see the great civil war in the church. We are going to see such division such things that, you know, we don't even know how to navigate it. Like we're just barely at the beginning of this, of this thing that will get so much worse. It's going to get worse in the church with each other. And people are going to take sides of this, that, and the other thing. 
So I say all that to say we have got to get a higher vision because it's the cross that's going to unify us. It's the going through sufferings, trials, tribulations that's going to bring us through because we're looking at Jesus. And we're going to see, oh, we're living for another age. That's my brother over there who just suffered. I really care about him, even though we disagree on these points. Like we're going to get a higher vision, but it's going to take the tribulation, which is like the cross for the church. The tribulation is like the cross. There are many scriptures that talk about the refining fire, the purification of the church. Um that's going to bring us through, all of that is in God's love. Like, it's his love that's going to bring us through so that we realize, oh, we're going to die on crosses too. That might look like this, that, or the other thing. But we're going to have that. At the end of the day, when we're following Jesus, we're going to have that martyr spirit. We're like, I need to lay this all down. And that's my brother. And even if I don't, agree with him politically or whatever way he loves Jesus so um, that's what's on my heart that there's this thing that's going to happen and it's like the cross is what's going to bring about unity of the body and it's going to be universal like globally it's going to be the trials the tribulations the, um, the tribulation that's coming, the persecution um, that's going to bring us through to this unity. It's not going to be um, us compromising, you know, where we get in a room and go, well, let's all compromise so much that we can be on the same page. Like, no, <laughs> that's not it either. It's going to be the cross and a higher vision so, um, that's it. That's, that's what's on my heart this morning. And um, I feel like in this place, especially in the prayer room, our eyes need to be so fixed on Jesus. That when people come in here, they actually get the heavenly vision of what's going on. And that be able to in a sense, rule and reign with Christ in spiritual and heavenly places now. We need to get that heavenly vision now so that we can help people navigate these really dark times that are coming. And um, if you haven't read The Final Quest by Rick Joyner or if you've read it a long time ago, reread it. Because um, I'm just rereading it again and there's so much in there about the great civil war of the church. And I'm like, dang, Singh is, is on it. It's, it's on the money. Like what he saw in this vision is so accurate and so coming. And we're going to get so offended if we don't get up in the spirit and start looking at Jesus and see that there's a way bigger picture going on. It's a heavenly thing. Um, I, you know, I talked to people this week whose faith is shaken because they've been on Facebook, you know, and they watched a movie, and they're like, I don't even know what I believe anymore. Yeah. I'm like, why is, why is someone who's strong in the Lord, I'd say this person's strong in the Lord, getting shaken like that? 
And I'm like, it's because there is a delusion, a demonic delusion coming that is so great that even it, it threatens even the elect to be deceived. So with that said, um, please watch what you're taking into your spirit. If it's a lot of stuff on Facebook or movies or whatever kind of media, because there's so much going on in the media, please be careful about that. Guard your spirit. There's a bigger thing going on. And it's damaging. It can be very damaging to you. We can know what's going on without getting enmeshed in all of the arguments and stuff happening that breed offense. Those things breed offense. So it's a a demonic playground. It really, really is. And you think, you kind of get roped into it thinking, no, I can say this thing and it might help this person. Maybe, probably not. (laughs) No, it's a demonic playground. And it's, uh, for the most part, I'd say get off of it. If you can, get off of it. Because it's, it, it breeds offense, anger. Um, again, it's, it's a setup for the great civil war in the church. There's going to be such divisions coming. And that's why we really need to see a higher picture. We need to be so rooted and grounded in the love of God. We need to have a martyr spirit so that when we see these things happening, we break down in weeping. We're not pointing the finger and going after them. But we're like in pain that the body of Christ is on the cross, really. You think about that. It's like so disjointed. Jesus' joints were pulled out on the cross. That's the body of Christ. He suffered the disjointedness of the body. He suffered that on the cross. And because he suffered that, it's going to be brought together into unity in the resurrection and what he's doing. He overcame the disjointedness in the body. But we're going to see even greater divisions and there will be great amount of opportunity for offense. So um, we have to get a higher vision and basically... Be so in love with Jesus that when we see the body disjointed, we're weeping. We're in pain over that. We're like, oh God. Instead of, I'm right, you're wrong, and going at it. That's so, um, he suffered that too. (laughs) He suffered the dispute even before the cross. I can't imagine the suffering in Jesus' heart when he's seen his disciples go at it the week he's going to die. So I'm going to go ahead and close up in prayer, and then I'll open it up if anyone has a comment. But Lord, I just we just come before you, God, and we just... Uh, we just pray, Lord, that you would give us your heart, God. Yeah. Because you plan to save a whole bunch of people that we're really mad at right now. We don't like, we don't like what they're doing. But you have a great harvest coming.
Lord, I pray that we would not uh, take on offense. Yes, God. That we would we would not agree with the accuser who is accusing either ourselves, our neighbor, or you. But the accuser would be thrown down, Lord, and this is what Revelation 12 is all about. When we stop agreeing with the accuser, the accuser will be thrown down. He will have no place in the heavenly realms anymore. When the church does not accuse one another or accuse ourselves or accuse you and we disagree with what the enemy is doing the enemy will be thrown down so Lord I just pray I pray for this this insight even ahead of time this Revelation chapter 12 insight we would not agree with the accuser in any way Our hearts would break with the things your heart breaks over. Lord, you died for people. You love people so much. Even those who are so against you right now. Even those who are hostile. Lord, you died for the hostile people who are against you. Lord, let our hearts be so broken, so in tune with your heart over that. Because from the cross, you said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. They're in a delusion. They're in a demonic stupor. God, let our hearts break. Let us be joined to you on the cross in that prayer. Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. Break our hearts, Lord. Yes, Lord. Give us a vision, Lord, a higher vision, Lord. We would not participate with the accuser in any way. There's no us in them. Mm -hmm. There's saved and unsaved. And you really love the unsaved. God, help us to see differently, Lord. Wash over us, Lord, even now. God, I pray for the blood of Jesus to cleanse us, Lord. Any self-righteousness, God, any uh, pride, oh, Lord, we're so, we have so much of that. God, I pray that you'd wash over us, Lord, that we could even see rightly our own condition before you. Would you have mercy on us that we could even see rightly our own condition? 
God, how much we're like the church of Laodicea, Lord. We think we have need of nothing. But we do not know that we are wretched and poor and naked and blind. We haven't advanced in the virtues, Lord. We haven't advanced in death to ourselves. But we're in kindergarten. God, have, have mercy. Would you help us, Lord? Let us be like ones whose waist is girded and our lamps are burning. God, let us be so about serving and going low and lifting you up, Lord. God, I pray that we would have such a different vision, Lord. Instead of jockeying for the position, Lord, like the disciples, and that's us. Instead of saying who is going to be the greatest, Lord, we would be going after the lowest job. Understanding, Lord, what you did. You washed the feet of your disciples. Lord, you you set the example. You set the bar. You set the bar. You said, go low. Lord, I pray that we would be ones that go after the low positions. Can I clean the toilet? Can I take out the trash? I pray we'd see differently, God. Let us go after the low thing. Let us be like, Lord, you. let us be like John the Baptist that says he must increase, but we must decrease. We must go down. God, would you let, let your blood wash over us, Lord? Wash away every offense. Every agreement with the accuser would be broken. Yes. Our hearts would become tenderized. Jesus. We'd be in a place of repentance, Lord. Not only for ourselves, God, but for our brothers. Lord, we would be like Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, Lord. Oh, God, we've sinned against you. Have mercy on us. Wash over us, Lord, with your blood. Wash, 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 wash. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.